Hello and welcome to Feed, Play, Love and Helpline. And it's time for us to speak with Karina Lane, who's a sleep consultant, and she's here to help you all with whatever problems you might be dealing with. And that could be to do with sleep, but it's also she has a vast amount of knowledge on children and behavioural things that you might be dealing with. Goodness knows children always have something to throw at us. So if you have any questions, there are a number of ways you can ask them. If you're listening via the podcast, then you can email us on helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. If you're watching us live via Facebook, you can pop your question below. We also have a Facebook group there you, where you can pop your questions. Karina, hello and welcome. Hello. Thanks, Chef. Happy how are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Good. While we were waiting to come on air, I was listening. There's a very soothing sound of a clock in the background there somewhere mine and mine yeah i was like oh that's for some reason it makes me feel very calm well that's good because i think it's one or the other you either are calmed by it or it drives you mad so (laughs) yeah Um, i'm going for calm yeah you might even hear my dog snoring at some point quite calming as well he's down on the floor himself yeah that way going to say that's really cute but my husband snores and that's not cute that's not cute i don't that's think i could cute. cope with a dog snore anyway anyway that's not why i've got you here to talk about clocks and dogs let's talk about children yes okay. um, look the first question we have is from cassie on email she says i'm hoping you can help nearly a month ago my 26 month old has moved into a big boy bed in a shared room with a four-year-old because he was climbing out of the cot in the last couple of months he has refused a nap in at midday and screams and cries but if i go for a drive he will fall asleep Mm -hmm. my five-month-old and four but with my five-month-old and four-year-old it's not possible now that he's in a bed he will not nap at all but goes to bed at seven and wakes up around 5 5 30. i have tried lying with him but with my five-month-old cat napper it gets tricky to stick to sure any suggestions as at the moment i have given up on the idea of naps does he need one still and that's a 26 month old for cassie yeah so a bit over two i totally get your pain um you're probably hoping for something uh, much easier to, to make that daytime nap either uh, not needed or a much easier way to get your up to sleep. Um, the first thing I'm thinking of is, I mean, because he's climbing out of his cot, that's one of the signs that they're ready to transition to a, a big boy bed. Um, so the thing with two-year-olds is they're kind of stuck in those two worlds of wanting to be a baby and wanting to be a big boy. So probably part of him was into the big boy bed um, and, sh- you know, getting climbing out was another way of um, expressing that. Um, but with your five-month-old, I'm wondering if he's kind of clamouring for babyhood at the same time. So, um, you know, part of him's still baby, part of him's big kid. So it's the bodler thing. Um, <laughs> so, look, it, he could be ready to transition out to no sleep. You see how you go. If he ends up being um, having huge meltdowns and not being able to go the whole day um, without the, the, the big emotional dramas, then you're probably going to need to figure out a way to get him to sleep. If you can go the whole day and he still sleeps well at night, then that's fine too. Do that. Um, and, you know, every now and then maybe if he's having a ratty day or if he got up extra early, you could go for the drive if it's convenient or just do whatever works just to get him to um, catch up on a little bit of sleep to make the day easier. Um, even if that's just having some quiet time during the day, maybe lying on the couch watching TV or just snuggling up together. Um, and if he drifts off, great. If he doesn't, at least he's had quiet time. Um, the other thing you could do, because it is 
it could be a little early to transition out of the car if he's still wanting to be a baby because he can see little younger sibling um, getting lots of baby love and attention because kids love that. They, they always want to go back to babyhood for those reasons. Um, I guess something you could do is, um, if it's possible with your cot, is modify the cot so that you take off one side and maybe put a barrier there so that they still have that cot, they still have that kind of babiness, but he can still get out. So it's kind of um, best of both worlds. So there's a few ideas there. But, yeah, look, the, at the end of the day, if everyone can cope with that 26-month-old having that nap, do that. See how you go. Because um, the thing that strikes me about this, Karina, is that I remember when I had my second and my first was a toddler, it was just near impossible to get her to do that day nap. And I used to, for some reason, I thought I could just get her to sleep. But when has anyone ever just gone to sleep because someone else wants them to you can't get yeah. a toddler to sleep right and I'm wondering did you ever have that experience with yours when um you brought the baby home and the elder one just went oh screw this I'm not sleeping during the day anymore sure I think once our um toddler turns two or our kid turns two we all start struggling with the day sleeps and we all start bargaining like can I can I get rid of that day sleep now it's too hard because sometimes you've got to weigh up your sanity in all of this as well if it's too hard for you as mum then yet yeah, do your best to get rid of it and see how you go like I said if if your toddler you know just kind of melts down at three o'clock or four o'clock every day then they are still going to need the sleep so find a way to get that sleep even if it's a contact nap or a um, I don't know if you still use the pram, dumb pram or something. That could be another way to get that nap in. It doesn't even have to be every day. It could just be a few times a week just to keep everyone sane. So yeah, main I love it. Yeah, good luck with that, Cassie. Um, this question comes from Heather and our helpline group. Uh-huh. She says, hi, Karina, I have a potty training question. My daughter is three and we've been potty training for about four weeks. We started the first four to five days naked from the waist down, potty accessible in the room at all times. She's, she had 100% accuracy, made it to the potty and was identifying out loud when she needed to go even pooing she was so proud we moved to big girl underpants with almost the same success she was saying out loud i have to go while trying to get to the potty sometimes pulling down of pants sorry sometimes the pulling down of pants was a little too long and there would be a minor puddle no big deal we were even able to leave the house to the park and she would go there no accidents then three weeks in she starts wetting her pants just standing there even with the potty still in the same room and urinating in her pants we went through several pairs of pants a day we tried pull-ups and all awareness of going potty or the need to go is gone unless she's naked any recommendations she has a twin brother that is straight up refusing to potty in the potty any recommendations that's from heather yeah oh heather i bet you were so excited at the first 100% accuracy that's almost unheard of when you're toilet training at first out of the gate so great initial results uh look i reckon maybe she just kind of loved the attention loved the thrill of it and just got sick of that and it's moved on to something else now which is a real bummer for you um i'm also wondering how affected she is by her twin refusing to do potty training maybe she's thinking if this guy's not doing it then you know what's the fuss what's the problem i'm not going to do it either so not let's not give up but let's not push and get too hysterical about it it would be my advice um keep maybe start with um you know if you 
can do naked waist down stuff at home. I know it's a bit cold at the moment, so if it's warm enough, do that uh, for both of them. Um, you know that your little girl knows how to do it, so that's something. It's just a case of kind of um, motivating her, I suppose. So set up your potty, keep it as available at all times. Maybe have set times where she goes to it. Maybe just kind of keep it simple rather than making sure she gets every wee on there. Maybe she, it could just be the wee, wee in the morning, uh, wee before nap time if she's having a nap or wee before or after lunch, um, potty time at structured times throughout the day. Uh, maybe just start simple and see how you go. But be reassured that you had great initial results and she knows how to do it, which is wonderful. She'll get back to it. It's just going to be more on her terms than yours. <laughs> that sounds really familiar. Um, <laughs> this is an email that comes from Danielle. I need help with my 14-month-old girl who is still night waking. She attends daycare full-time during the week and struggles to sleep more than two naps of 45 minutes while there. She goes to bed at 6.37 p.m. and wakes usually at 10.30 p.m. and again at 2.30 a.m. She wakes for the day at 7 or 7.30. She has always been fully breastfed and won't take a bottle, but she's fully established on solids. She has also never taken a dummy. When she wakes up at night, I have been breastfeeding her back to sleep. I have tried setting, sending dad in to resettle her but it usually doesn't work and she ends up getting more upset and worked up so after 30 to 40 minutes i end up going in and breastfeeding her back to sleep for fear of waking our four-year-old with her screaming we follow a nightly routine of dinner bath breastfeed books and then bed dad puts her to bed and she self-settles within five to ten minutes on weekends she gets her full naps in morning nap of one and a half to two hours and an afternoon of the same length and the night waking still occurs at roughly the same times. I can only count maybe seven times that she has actually slept through the whole night. We also keep trying to get her on cow's milk, but she's not liking it. I'm worried I'm going to be breastfeeding her forever. What are we doing wrong? Our first child was sleeping through once his solids were established at eight months, but he was also taking a bottle of cow's milk of a night. So we're wondering if that's the problem. Oh, bless. Okay. Um, uh, look, I can I can feel your pain. If your eight month old was sleeping through the night, at, um, if your first one was, one was sleeping through the night at eight months and you're still struggling at fourteen months, this is probably part of you thinking there must be something that's wrong here. But in fact, there's nothing wrong with wake, a fourteen month old waking up twice a night. Totally normal. So that's the first thing I want to reassure you about. Um, they still wake up for, for feeds. Um, they still need parental support to get back to sleep. So don't worry too much about that. There's nothing that you've done wrong. Um, the thing with breastfeeding is, as you would know already, is that it's more about more than food. So it's about connection and warmth and kind of having that time with you. And the thing that stands out to me, which I can relate to, is that she goes to daycare full time. Um, so I'm guessing she gets home, I don't know, five-ish or six-ish, and she's going to bed soon after. Um, so it's not a lot of time with you. And I can relate to that because I went back to work pretty early with my firstborn and I was full-time and I noticed at night he wanted to be with me. So it made it, made it really hard to get your night's sleep in, which you want, um, especially if you're working full-time. But if we can think about it from Bob's point of view, he, he or she, I, I don't know if it's a he or she, um, is only just over one um, and probably still wants to be with you and still needs that time to connect with you. So that's probably part of what the wake-up's for and part of that insistence that a breastfeed is needed for him to him or her to feel settled enough to go back to sleep. So on the one hand, nothing actually wrong or abnormal about two wake-ups at night. 
On the other hand, keep in mind that um, Bob might just need that connection time with you because they are away from you during the day. Um, and that's not to make you feel guilty or anything like that. We've all been there. Um, but that might be what's behind those, <clears throat> those wake-ups and that um, insistence at being with you. Now, you won't be stuck breastfeeding forever, I promise you. With the cow's milk, a trick that you could try is um, putting, I don't know if you're able to express with your busy workload, but if you're able to express milk and mix half breast milk, half cow's milk, or mostly breast milk with cow's milk and then kind of increase the cow's milk and decrease the breast milk over time so that that's an easier transition for bub. And then they might get used to that different taste so that you can get a bit of um, extra rest overnight. I hope that helps. Yeah, cool. Okay. Now, the next question comes from Alison. And it's a, she says, just wondering, is there any advice on toddler bedtime routines? My eldest daughter, who's two and a half years, is refusing her entire bedtime routine, instead running a muck around the house and elongating the entire routine. How can this be changed? She finally gets to sleep between nine to 10, often in our bed. Not ideal, but I'll take it. Mm -hmm. she, she says she's not sleepy. That's after no daytime naps and often a full day at the daycare. She has a new baby brother, nine weeks, but her sleep routine was being refused months before the birth. Definitely looking for some inspiration here. Any advice? Wow. <clears throat> okay. Very normal toddler behaviour to mess up at bedtime when it's that one time in the day when we want things to go smoothly. Um, but, yeah, it's very normal for a toddler to run around, I'm not tired, I'm not tired, and make the whole process really long. Um, and, look, if it works to have a parent fall asleep with um, the toddler, then go ahead and do it. Um, I would say a nine-week-old's younger sibling is quite a huge transition for a toddler. And I know you say um, this was going on months before the baby arrived. That might have been part of it. So, you know, toddlers are, are quite sensitive, uh, emotionally sensitive. So I would imagine that uh, your older child would be sensing that change was on the horizon. There was a lot of talk about the baby, getting used to the baby. You probably did lots of um, preparing her for her younger sibling. Um, and now the baby is here, um, I would expect, you know, the unsettled behaviour has, has escalated. So even though she started running around, running a at bedtime, probably all to do with transitioning to being an older sibling. So <clears throat> the advice here would be to do, firstly, whatever works and what keeps you sane. Uh, secondly, tighten up your bedtime ritual. Maybe start it a bit earlier. Give her um, a little bit more special time at bedtime, um, more of a process that makes her feel special, um, and hang in there and be consistent with that. Oh, dear. So when the second comes along, it's a big shock, isn't it? I mean, it's so big <clears throat> and it's not obvious because we think we, we do all these preparations and we explain to them and we set them up and we buy them presents um, and then the baby arrives but nothing prepares them for what that baby actually means because at no point do we ever say to the, the firstborn, by the way, I'm not going to be as available to you. I'm going to be sharing. I'm going to be giving love to this other creature. They can't conceptualise that until they experience it and it's massive for them. Yeah, temporary. it's temporary, but it is a massive deal. Oh, you say temporary. My daughter's <laughs> eight and I think she still tries to say that I remember when I'm like, no, honey, you don't. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> please don't say that. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, we have an email from Pam and um, she's referring to a question she asked on Facebook previously when our Mothercraft expert Chris Minogue was on the show. So Pam, um, I understand Chris has given you advice before 
before, but I think that Karina might have some other advice that could help you as well. Um, so basically, this is about a toddler who was struggling to use the toilet. Now, he's, they've worked on that. He's, he's using the toilet more, but he's just now said that he is scared to poo on the toilet. Pam says he gets very close, and then as he feels the movement, he cries and holds it in. I was hoping you would help me further here. So that's specifically around being afraid to poo on the toilet. That's not unusual, is it? No, that's not unusual at all. That's uh, a lot of um, toilet training kiddies go through that fear. And the thing is, the more that we put pressure on without meaning to, the more excited we get about it, um, the more they can kind of retreat into themselves and, and, and that fear increases. So I would say, look, if, if your little person is happy just to continue pooing in the nappy without, you know, making a big deal about it, you know, maybe he wants to go and put the nappy on when he feels the poo coming. If that makes him feel comfortable, go for it. That's fine. I'll keep offering both options. Um, you know, this might sound weird and gross, but let him see other family members having a number two or without seeming, you know, a bit over the top there. But, um, you know, seeing that pooing is normal, everyone does it. It's not unpleasant. It's quite cool, actually. Makes you feel better after all of these things and make it fun and make it more about you guys than about him and making him, <clears throat> encouraging him to poo in the toilet. Um, I would say just normalise it. Don't pressure him. Uh, let him put the nappy on if he needs to support him in whatever he needs. He'll come through. He will. He just needs to kind of fix up what's happening up here. Um, and, you know, it's hard to understand what that's all about. So I'd say be patient, um, be consistent, but without the pressure. Yeah. This is an email from Magali. She says, my baby is turning nine months on Saturday and up until a week ago, she was sleeping the best we have seen so far. Bedtime between 6.30, 6.45, and awake anytime between 6 and 6.30 a.m. with one wake, usually around 4 a.m. for a feed, wow. and, and she continued to sleep. However, a week ago, she had her two bottom teeth come out, which explained the 5 a.m. wake and upset during the day. Then she had a great day with normal sleep. However, the last four days, she's been waking at 4.45 or 5 a.m. and will not resettle. She has also been crying before naps, but luckily still sleeping well for her day naps. I've noticed separation anxiety too, not wanting to let go of my neck when I want to put her down. Is this the eight-month sleep regression? Since she is waking so early, she has been napping 8 till 9, then 12.30 till 2.30 and bed at 6.30. Does this look okay? Her normal naps were 9.30 till 10, then 12.30 to 2.30. She's on three breastfeeds per day, three solids, and two small snacks per day. She uh -huh. has mostly been eating well during this period. Okay, okay. Look, right, eight to 10 months is your sleep separation, um, sorry, separation anxiety um, situation, which can be very disruptive to sleep. So that's probably what you're talking about when you say, that, is this the eight-month? sleep regression quite possible that that's coming coming through um as you say she's also got teething happening um so there's those things going on for her now when separ separation anxiety disrupts sleep it's basically because they want to spend more time with you or they need to connect with you so the only thing that you can get you through that is to actually attend to your baby and and give them that attention that they need uh so very normal very normal behavior something that's standing out to me is um how much sleep she's getting overnight so 6 30 till 6 45 that's quite early like in australia apparently we have the earliest bedtimes in the world for our 
our kids um, around the world they're more like 8 p.m 9 p.m and for us we're all like 6 30 7 o'clock you know because we like our me time and, and that's also kind of just what seems to be normal in our culture um, if, but if you're putting your nine-month-old to bed at 6 30 <clears throat> um, she's only going to need about 11 hours of sleep which means waking up at five-ish which is normal right so you could consider putting um, Bub to bed a little later and hoping that she'll sleep a little later. That could be an easy solution to try. So do give that a go. But also, yeah, keep in mind that you've got the separation anxiety thing in there as well. So I would make sure that your bedtime ritual is super concrete because that is going to help with the separation anxiety. So um, bedtime ritual can be about an hour before bed. It's like a little sequence of events. Make it nice and concrete and consistent. Um, have it include some music that you leave playing through the night. So that's nice and consistent as well. Um, if she's old enough for a comforter, if you feel safe giving her some sort of comforter, um, make sure it smells like you. So condition it first and make sure it smells like you and then let her have that in her bed too. So they are all ways of um, increasing that pleasant time and that ni nice association with being in bed. Um, but at, at the same time, kind of maybe consider moving bedtime just a little later, a little later each each night until you're getting closer to 7.30 and see if that impacts the wake-up time because that seems to be the biggest issue for you. Great that she's um, still sleeping quite well in the day. Um, and I think you said she wasn't waking in the night. Is that right, Chef? There's no wakes in the night there. Um, well, yeah, well, it depends. 5 a.m. Say 4 a.m. At one point she was waking up at 4. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So also keep in mind how cold it gets at that time in the morning as well. So make sure that she's quite snug um, and the room is not getting cold at that time. But, um, yeah, if you push bedtime to a little bit later and make sure that uh, your bedtime ritual is in place nicely as well and um, make sure it's not too cold at that time, you, might, you should hopefully see her wake a little later, which would be nice for you. Just a aside on the, you know, the question of it being cold. I remember a friend once saying to me, she said, it took me so long to work it out, but if they've got warm hands and warm feet, they will always sleep better. Have you found any truth in that? I know you're saying to be warm aware hands, of this. Warm feet. Oh, look, I've always, I've always been told that don't rely on the hands because they're always cold, always check right. the best. But, you know, I say just do your own test. If you step into the room and you can instantly feel, oh, it's a bit of a chill in here, then it's too cold. Yeah. Um, if you walk in and it's like, oh, it's stuffy, then it's too hot. Like I yeah. think we get a bit obsessed with that. But uh, it does. it is cold at the moment at 4 in the morning, right? Like uh, I, was <laughs> I was waking up this morning at 4 because it was cold. So make sure that she's nice and snugly um, and the room feels warm without being stuffy. Yeah, lovely. Got to say though, when it comes to sleep, it's easy to get obsessed about anything. <laughs> so, so much, so much. <laughs> Look, we probably we've got time for a few more questions. This one here is from Nadia. She says, "I want my second child to be able to sleep through noise around the house. My first child did as a newborn, but then struggled with a routine. So we were told to put her in a quiet, dark room for her sleep. It worked well and gave us all good sleep throughout the night. However," Ever since then, we have to be dead quiet whenever she sleeps. We can't even wash the dishes without waking her. It's very impractical, and I don't want to repeat with my second child, especially since the first is now a noisy toddler. How do I go about giving the new bub a routine without the silence? Thanks for any help. 
<clears throat> okay, well, the good news is that babies are created and they develop um, in our wombs amongst the noisiest backdrop you can imagine. It's like a concert band in there. So you've got your heartbeat, you've got your digestive system, um, you've got your bowel making noises. So it's really noisy in there. Um, and as you know, when they come out that, you know, by playing white noise and that sort of thing, that replicates that womb environment. So be assured that they don't need the quiet that's not a prerequisite that they come with. I need quiet to be able to sleep. Be assured that noise is going to be fine. It's just what you let your baby get used to, I guess. So, um, yeah, by all means, the toddler's going to be noisy. You're going to wash the dishes. Your footsteps are going to be noisy. Let Bob cope with that and make that a new normal for baby, and that way you don't have to worry about that. Um, in terms of getting new baby into a routine, look, some babies seem just perfectly right for a routine when they come out of the womb. Um, maybe that will be your newborn, um, but maybe it won't. Most of the time, new babies, just they're not interested in time. They don't care about what's required at each hour of the day and they don't, schedules tend to make us more stressed than give us um, you know, the structure that we need. So see how you go. I would say, yeah, by all means, um, don't worry about noise. Use white noise when you want Bob to sleep. Um, and then as they get older, you can move, move over to music. Um, but keep that playing all the time when they're asleep. So don't turn it off when they first fall asleep. Leave it on all the time so they get used to that in the background. And then, you know, try adding in your structure. Um, I would say probably not for feeds early on because Bob, if, it depends if you're breastfeeding, but um, Bob, your breast milk supply would need to be established before you start adding schedules to feeding. Um, but see how you go. Like I said, some babies just thrive on routine and they, they like being time-based and they like um, the schedule. So as long as, you're, as long as you can stay sane, it doesn't stress you out, um, then go for it and see how you go. But don't worry about the noise. That's fine. Noise is good. <laughs> All right. We've got time for one last question before we have to go. Um, this is from Jo. She says, my son turned three recently and while we love him to the moon and back, mm -hmm. he has been really difficult in the last five to six months. Initially, it was a few things that he would push back at us for, but now it feels like it's everything from brushing his teeth to having a bath to going to sleep. This now takes almost one and a half hours at night and we often end up falling asleep before he does. We also have had a baby girl two months ago and it has just made him even more difficult every task is a struggle and most of the time one of us ends up yelling to get him to listen we are totally exhausted now and have tried reasoning with him explaining time out and even taking away his toys etc when he doesn't listen to us but no luck it's from joe oh yeah totally get it so not only is he a regular toddler but he has a sibling to to deal with as well and he's still adjusting to that so there's definitely going to be some playing up and some attention-seeking behaviour. But remember that behind behaviour of little kids is always some unmet need that we haven't picked up on. So try to tune into what his world might be like at the moment. Um, <clears throat> he's having to share attention with you. <clears throat> Sorry, let me water, let me water. <clears throat> so he's having to share attention with new sibling, which is not fun. Um, and he's also getting told what to do, right? From the moment he wakes up, this is how we treat toddlers. From the moment he wakes up, he gets told, you know, what to eat, what to wear, where to go, what to, you know, kind of this is what we're going to play today. This is our outing today. And I guess for a, a two-and-a-half to three-year-old boy, there's no control. And so uh, sometimes 
what can make life easier is actually to give them some control, not all of it, of course, but maybe pass over some decisions to him so that he feels a little more in control and doesn't feel that need to kind of challenge every single thing, which is driving you mad. So obviously keep it think, keep it to things, decisions that you feel okay with, like, you know, do you want to wear your red jumper or your blue jumper? He gets to decide. Do you want, you know, Vegemite on toast or peanut butter on toast? So don't don't just say, what do you want for breakfast? Because then he'll pick something that's not appropriate, then you'll have the battle again. So make sure that you keep your boundaries there, but offer him those choices. Um, now, if he, the thing with this is sometimes they'll make a choice. Like if you say, you know, pick which shoes, pick which shoes you want to wear and they wear sandals in winter, okay, don't worry about that. That's not a life-threatening decision, even though it's not the right one for you. <clears throat> but what it will do is give him that chance to explore what, the decision means. So if he puts his sandals on and he goes out and there's puddles everywhere and he gets wet feet, then he understands, ah, oh, yeah, okay, wrong decision this time. And he'll learn for next time. It's a much better way to do it than going into battle with everything. Um, I guess also if he's adjusting to a new sibling, look, it does take time. You just have to give him that space to transition. It, he'll get through it. Um, but do try to be patient with him um, and try to give him a little bit more attention because that is ultimately what he's looking for. I know it's very easy for us to say sometimes, oh, it's just attention-seeking. I'm not giving him the attention. Um, and But that, the, that's actually what they need. That's actually often the solution. So by actually stopping and tuning into what he's doing or what he needs your attention for, you're going to get closer to the heart of the problem um, and that will help you resolve the behaviour so that life can get a little bit more harmonious and back to normal. Um, you're going through the transition yourself to two children. That was like the hardest transition for me. It was really hard to find my group with two children, especially if one's acting up. So, yeah, do try to tune into whatever need he's expressing through that behaviour, but also give him those opportunities for taking control as well, and hopefully that will help you get through it. It's such good advice, isn't it? You always, I always forget that one where you give them a choice, but you don't give them open slather. No. You can have this or this. Decide. Yes. yes, do it as often as possible. Let him feel like he's in charge. He's master of his domain. Um, but, uh, you know, according to your rules, your internal rules, and hopefully that will help. Well, Karina, it has been lovely having you on the show. Thank you so much for all of your advice. I should actually mention uh, before we leave that um, if you've been listening via the podcast or watching us on Facebook and you're still thinking, I've got a few challenges with sleep or behaviour and you think uh, five minutes just ain't going to cut it, then you should seriously think about Babyology Sleep School because Karina is one of our experts along with Joe Ryan and Chris Minogue. And basically how it works is you can book them and uh, you have the opportunity to ask as many questions. It's one-on-one. -on -one. They can cater it to the way you are as a parent. We're all very different, your family dynamic, all that kind of stuff. And they work with all of that with you. So that is an option. We will put um, links on the Facebook page and also in the notes of the podcast. And I will also add at the moment, they have special pricing on the site just for the next few weeks. So just check out the links and have a look at that. And uh, next week, Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue will be back on the show. Karina, thank you once again. And I'll Don't see worry, you. Chef. Have a lovely rest of the day. See you next week. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. 
See you next time.